Hello, everybody. I am super excited to introduce to you our next special guest for someone you should know. And I love it that our audience is growing here because Johnny's and my, our heart is really for you to hear from people that are um, making a difference on the front lines in the areas of culture that you are called to bring change to, to bring heaven on earth. And so we're not just having fun introducing people that we love, but we're also knowing that, that God has positioned them for such a key time to be able to equip and encourage you to have the imp impact that you were meant to have. And so whether or not you're called specifically to the mountain of religion, you are going to want to hear from Bobby Hobby, a dear friend of ours, um, Bobby and Becky, you may... Um, recognize him because in past RISE summits that we've had over the last couple of years, they have been incredibly gracious to not only host our family in their home, so we've gotten to know them on a personal level, but also in their local church. And um, they have another ministry called Kingdom Learning that we have just really enjoyed partnering with over the years. And I'm sure he'll tell us more about that, but I'm going to read a quick bio to you about Bobby and then we'll get started and excited about you hearing the things that God's put on his heart. Um, Bobby is a catalyst and thought leader who's encouraging and provoking the church to put apostolic feet to prophetic hope. That's one of my favorite things he says. As a senior leader of Eagle Mountain, an apostolic resource center in Bend, Oregon, Bobby thrives in creating an atmosphere where powerful people can run together and partner with God to release heaven on earth. Called to serve the Lord through an audible voice encounter. We're definitely going to ask him about that. Bobby has given his life to see Christianity defined by the tangible presence of God, an atmosphere of training and discipleship, signs and wonders, and by releasing heaven's blueprints for societal transformation that solves the world's most pressing problems. Do you ever hear a pastor talk like that? It's, it's incredible. Bobby operates from the belief that the world is desperate for an encounter with the living God and that we are witnessing the emerging of the sons and daughters that all creation has been waiting for. The kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdom of our God and his Christ. So uh, please welcome with me, Bobby Hobby. <laughs> Hello. Hi, how are you? So good and so just honored to get to interview you and dig a little bit into your your story and how God has positioned you for what you're doing right now and what what we see coming in the years years that are ahead of us. One of the things I wanted to, to point out again before I turn it over to you um, is that um, our last episode of Up for Discussion, Echoing a New Narrative on the Mountain of Religion. Um, you know, each of these episodes, we're following up with an interview, as I said, of somebody that's pioneering in that specific arena of culture. And so Bobby is definitely, and Becky, they're a team, are pioneering in the mountain of religion. Um, and so I couldn't wait to let him not only just tell his story of how, how you got to where you are, Bobby, but eventually in this interview, we want to get into just the strategies that the Lord has given you guys that are so unique where um, he's really having you redefine how, what church looks like and what church is focused on. So welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor. We love you and Johnny and all that you guys are doing. 
Well, it's very mutual. So, well, I um, one of the things that I, I wanted to get right into is just how you ended up walking with the Lord and then transitioned into actually it becoming the call that's on your life. Yeah. Well, I was uh, not walking with the Lord and um, I was in the music scene. Music's super big in my family. And um, I was out chasing the carrot and I was out uh, in the secular arena and um, I thought I was loving life. And but I had a praying mom and a praying grandma and I didn't I didn't stand a chance. And so, um, you know, my grandmother uh, had five beautiful kids who all went into what we would call as ministry. She had hands laid on her by Smith Wigglesworth when she was a young pianist. Uh, She was playing for him and she went to she went to the ground and when she got up, she had power. She could lay hands on the sick, the demonized, club feet, arms and legs would grow, and just signs and wonders and miracles. Mm-hmm. And um, she was always uh, a favorite of mine. We always grew up together, even though I was doing my own thing. Uh, when grandma came around, I loved her. She had a place in my heart and treated me like I was one of her own sons. And so, anyway, I was off doing uh, what I was doing in the music industry, and um, one night I came home, and Becky was gone, and she had had it with me always being gone, chasing that carrot, and all the things that come with that, and I was devastated. I had given my heart to her. There was a hole the size of Texas that had just been created, and Mm -hmm. I spent about three weeks uh, just unsure uh, just sort of been my whole life tossed upside down and one night facetiously sort of out of the corner of my mouth I'm laying in my bed in my condo in California and I just sort of said not asking God not talking to him just kind of saying oh God what's going on with my life and as soon as I said that this audible voice came into my room and said, you've cried her name to sleep every night for three weeks and she's not here, but I've been here your whole life. And it freaked me out. I got up and sort of punched my way to the light socket trying to figure out who was in my bedroom. And what I noticed is suddenly I got my appetite back. I hadn't been able to keep anything down for the last few weeks And all of a sudden, he began to talk to me about a legacy, about mantles, about my grandparents and all of these things that was passed on if I would take it. But um, that was my decision to make. Wow. Okay. So you actually heard the voice of God as if a person was standing in your room speaking to you. I thought it was a person. One phrase or like everything he was saying after that about legacy and all was still audible. Yeah. As soon as he said, you, I've been here your whole life tonight, you cried out my name once, but I've been here your whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, Suddenly uh, about, I I completely thought someone was in my house. I ran downstairs. My heart was racing. I turned on all the lights in the house because I had no grid for encounters. I thought that that someone was in my house. And then um, 
yeah, as soon as I got my appetite back, I remember it like it was yesterday. I uh, I went to the table in the kitchen and started and started eating. And I was so hungry because I hadn't been able to keep anything down for the last few weeks. And so I called uh, my mom. It was in the middle of the night. And mm -hmm. she said, Bobby, I've been praying for you your whole life. And so I, I said, well, I'm in the studio. We're recording right now. I'm going to come up and visit you. And she lived in a small Mayberry town back then called Bend, Bend, Oregon. Um, and so I came up and um, she said, Bobby, I want to take you to church. And I said, I don't want to go to church. I'm still freaking out about uh, this audible voice. And she goes, I think you should come to church. There's a special speaker tonight. And it was like uh, she was uh, administrative uh, for a conservative church and they had their, you know, their one prophet that came around every year. And so sure enough, I, she just goes, I think you should come. And I, I did, I went and I was like, all right, let's just sit at the back at least, uh, to where if I light on fire, I can head for the door. She, uh, so I did, she took me and he, uh, he talked about, you know, Jesus. And, and then he said, pastor, I'd like to pray for a few, if that's okay. And then he just pointed me out and he said, young man in the striped shirt, I'm 24 years old. He goes, uh, when I pray for people, some books open to the side and he goes, yours falls down like a spreadsheet and hits the floor. And he goes, and the encounter you just had is directly from the throne room. God is calling you. And he goes, and your grandparents and your parents and everything that they prayed for supernaturally, the mantle is passing on. And it's just like a child being born. They would give anything to be alive to see what God's going to do through you. Wow. I mean, to kick off your relationship with God like that is, is like, wow. So how did you respond? And obviously Becky, Becky and you were um, reunited. Yeah. Uh, I just couldn't believe that he knew my name. Um, he said my name and I just mm -hmm. couldn't believe it out of all the millions of people on the planet. It's like, how do you know me? And I was just in awe uh, about that. And so I decide I'm going to move up um, to Bend. And um, I was in the studio, as I mentioned. And so I said to all of my bandmates, hey, I'm going to finish, uh, take a recorder, finish the album in Bend, and I'll come back. We'll get in the studio and, and, and you know, finish it, finish the project. And so I come up here and God starts um, changing my life. I had no idea of what was about to happen. And suddenly I'd begin to open the Bible. And I, as soon as I would open the Bible and start reading a story in the Bible, I was no longer in my room, but in the story. And if I was reading about Moses who, or somebody else, the person would actually walk up to me and say something like, I'm so glad you're here. And would teach me um, the story that I was reading from a personal perspective. And I just felt like the Lord had so much time to make up with me and was going to lay out a strategy. And so over time, um, that's just how I was taught and how I was learned. And so um, about six months into it, I was asking the Lord to just show me his face and every time I would close my eyes to see his face, I would see Becky's face. 
And she was the one who had, again, been used by the Lord to bring me to him. But gosh, um, I couldn't get her out of my mind. Every time I'd close my eyes to pray, I'd, I'd see her face and just missing and longing and all of that. And I said, Lord, you got to take it away. I'm ready to see your face. And so he did. And then about six months, uh, four months later, uh, I'm sitting in church with my mom. My life is completely changing. I'm having these encounters on a regular basis with the Lord. And I just start feeling this um, heavy heart for Becky. And so I asked my mom if I could use her office to go call Becky. She was working at Nordstrom Lady Shoes in California. And so I call up and she answers. And I said, Becky, what's going on? You're on my heart. And how's your life? What's going on? And she had, we hadn't talked for, for months now. And um, she said, you didn't have to call me back. And I said, what are you talking about? And she goes, I just called your dad. He's at your house. I said, Becky, I'm at the church. Um, what's what's going on? And she just goes, Bobby, I called because I'm done with this life. And um, she had come up for my grandfather's funeral a few months prior and got to see a different countenance um, on me and a change in my life. And she just goes, I want what you have. So I got to lead her to Jesus over the phone and she gave her life to the Lord and later on moved up, moved in with my family. They all love Becky. When I lost her, they knew I lost the best thing that had ever happened to me. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the Lord uh, re slowly reunited us. I didn't want to manipulate. I said, Lord, if I'm supposed to marry this gal, you're going to have to speak to a Southern girl who would never do this. And you're going to ask, you're going to have to ask her to ask me to marry her. That's how I'll know it's not just me. And wow. she did. Wow. Okay. I can't skip over this question because I'm sure some people are asking, um, and then remember where you left off. What did the voice of God sound like? And and what were these encounters where characters from the Bible would talk to you straight yeah. up? And did you think that was normal for Christian experience? I I did. And so I had my mom and my grandma and, and, and to my grandma, that was normal, right? She was just like, absolutely. So I had someone to talk to who would lead me in that way. And then I would go to the church uh, that the Lord said, you need to go to this church that your mom's going to. And it was super conservative. And so uh, I would read things in the Bible and then they wouldn't preach those things. So I immediately had this dichotomy, but the voice sounded like my father. It sounded like, uh, not like my literal father, but it sounded like a father just right away. It was warm. It was caring. It was straight and to the point. Um, mm -hmm. You knew, I knew that when he spoke, uh, I needed to listen, that there was destiny behind it, that it was like eating food. It was like nourishment every time he spoke. Like when Peter said, only you have the words of life. It was like that every time he would come alive. And so um, as far as the encounters with biblical figures, um, I remember being in Israel and um, I was reading about Mount Carmel and we were uh, – about to ascend and go to Mount Carmel the next day. And I was the designated driver of, of the van for the group. And suddenly um, uh, Elijah comes to me in this uh, open vision. And he says, you're going up the mountain tomorrow. 
And I said, yes, I'm super excited. And he, and I looked down and I noticed he had huge calves. That's the, the thing that stood out to me. And he caught me looking at his calves and he smiled and he says, I used to run all over these hills. I love this place. I miss this place. And I said, but you're up on the, like the forever mountain. Um, how could you miss this place? And he said, Bobby, there, it's easy to worship. All desires are met. It's total bliss. He says, there is a worship down here that cost you everything. There is an altar that you must build. And he goes, as much as I love that place, there are aspects of this place that I miss when it cost me everything. And he looked me straight in the eyes and he said, give your full life to Jesus and worship with your everything. Mm. And it was done. Mm. And I went up to Carmel the next morning with a uh, total different perspective. It changed my life. Um, and it would be like that, little glimpses with Moses. Uh, I was crying out the same thing for that Exodus 33, 34 encounter. And Moses came up to me and all of a sudden um, he started crying. And he said, I wish I would have asked for this before. He said, Bobby, it's been given to you for signs and wonders and to see his hand. But don't forget to ask to see his face. You mm. must know him. Like I'm prone to revelation. I'm prone to signs and wonders. And he's like, you have to know him most importantly. Mm. Wow. I mean, clearly God was super intentional with your preparation for the call that's on your life and the things that you're doing now and you have vision for in the future. Can you kind of transition us from those early years to becoming, uh, and I don't know if you refer to yourself as a pastor, apostolic leader or both, but what you're doing now. Yeah. So it instantly Ephesians 4, 11, equipping the saints that I knew that anything he had given to me needed to be given away. I didn't understand a uh, strategy yet or how, uh, but he said that the fivefold ministry was the way that he was equipping his church. He told me that there were two churches, that there was a church of that was man-centered, uh, it was the church of the Pharisees, and then there was the church of Jesus Christ, and that I ought to uh, build the church of Jesus, where Jesus is the center. And so obviously the scriptures say that the church that Jesus launched was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets and with him as the cornerstone. But the church that the Pharisees were creating was completely man-centered. And so I just sought the Lord and sought the word and anybody at all who was building uh, an equipping environment, I wanted to be a part of. I remember calling um, John Wimber's church before he passed and said, Gosh, you're the only one I know that's doing this. And all of his team uh, cleared their schedule and made appointments just to meet with me. They saw this young, hungry kid, wow. and they all sat down. So I flew down to Anaheim, went, and they just loaded me up with everything mm -hmm. uh, from John's and let me sit in on sessions and meetings behind the scenes. Really? And just... The, yeah, the doors of favor just opened to me and I left with a huge box 
of materials from their warehouse that I could hardly hold. And they just opened their heart. And sitting in those backroom meetings was life-changing to me. And so I just began to get a strategy. And, you know, the, the ecclesia that God was raising up and has been from the very beginning, I mean, that was Jesus's idea. We're catching on to that now. But that started in Matthew 16. That was his term. It was a governing body, right, of Jesus that was commissioned by him to legislate heaven on earth. And so I recognized early on that that word for church, ecclesia, was a secular term. It, mm -hmm. it wasn't even a Hebrew term. It was something that God was using um, to say, hey, listen, this is what my church is going to look like, and it's going to be a legislative body that has... Uh, been given favor to shape society. I just knew that going on. And so the wow. foundation of the church that Jesus was building was on the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ. So I just started praying, Lord, what does that church look like? Where are the apostles today? Because we have the threefold ministry, pastors, evangelists, and teachers, but where are the other two guys? Mm -hmm. So that was still all in your 20s? Yeah, I uh, that was started at 24, and then uh, I served at a uh, church that you know, little con uh, conservative church uh, that my mom was going to. And I said, "Lord, I'm ready. You called me. Uh, the prophet confirmed it. Let's do this." And he goes, <laughs> um, "Grab a broom and become a janitor of this conservative church." Wow. And I was just like, oh, man, I was a musician, you know, just <laughs> doing that. And their worship sucked. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. He's like, yeah, you just grab a broom. That's what I want you to do. And so for four years uh, from the beginning of 24 to 28, I grabbed a broom and I served. And I would be at the church late at night and about two years into it. One night, the Lord showed up and said, the pulpit is yours. And there's an auditorium, and there's the pulpit. I'm mopping the floor, and the Lord goes, it's yours. And so I got up there and started prophesying and preaching, and angels started showing up. And for the next two years, I would just serve, and the Lord encountered me there. And when I was 28, just like the prophet said, uh, Becky and I would be thrown out, and, and that's what happened. Wow. So when you say thrown out, were you, was it a bad church experience? Did y'all go through one of those or just no. launched you? Yeah, he just, he just launched. We had all these invitations that started coming and people had heard yeah. about our encounters and stuff like that. And every time that I'd get a new invitation for those four years, you know, while I was janitor, uh, uh, that prophet would come around and, you know, he'd make his yearly cycle and come around and just go, God says, not yet. You're not leaving. You're not going. And I'm like, Oh, all right. And so I was enjoying while I was the janitor, I was enjoying all these encounters with the Lord. And then finally he comes around he again. And he goes after four years, he goes, it's time. And so we got this offer uh, from a church in Southern California and went down there. They opened their heart to us. They were like, yep, we want healing rooms. We want the prophetic. We want signs and wonders and miracles. And just gave us a place to learn and to grow and to happen and just to exercise 
what we had been um, walking in. And then uh, I, about a year into that, I'm praying and the Lord shows up in my prayer and says, now don't forget about Bend, Oregon. And I said, we had just left there. And he said, what I'm about to do in you will redefine the face of Christianity in one generation. Wow. That's huge. How, how, how did you respond in that moment? And how has, how have you seen that being played out so far? I went to my pastor at that time and I said, Hey, I, this is what the Lord's saying. And he uh, just said, you know, I think it's the Lord. And so we moved up and we just began something that I had no experience uh, beginning. Um, I had some uh, background in business, uh, definitely in music, um, but I had a heart on fire for the Lord. And uh, and I had these encounters where the Lord was giving me strategies that I knew were for another time. Mm-hmm. They They were things that I was going to have to work out and prove and provide a proof of concept over time that um, some of the church would be ready for and other parts of the church would just persecute it. Mm -hmm. And so I had to be willing to walk through that as excited as I was and come to a region and serve it. And so I did. I landed in Bend, Oregon, and the Lord said, walk the streets. And he said to me, like Ezekiel, say to the mountains, say to the hills. So I just go walking out in the forest and say to the mountains and say to the hills. I'd plant flags on the top of mountains. We have seven huge, beautiful peaks. And then I'd be walking my city and I would just start to learn to adore my region. And as I would do that, suddenly I could start to hear all creation groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. And I learned that all creation in Jesus's day, because he adored that region so much and he just loved everyone and everything that everyone and everything would not resist him when he was about to change culture. For instance, um, water would become solid if he needed to walk on it. Everything would serve him because he was a man full of love. Water would become wine if that's what he needed. Even down to the molecular structure, they would change to serve this man of love. And I knew that love would equal authority. And so I did. I The Lord said, you will do nothing here unless you adore this region. Wow. And so he said, not only will you do it here, but I will show you how to write the how-to here, and then I will send you to regions around the world, and you will teach people to love their region, and that all creation is waiting for people who love like that. These are the sons and daughters. And so the first quality for sons and daughters that all creation is groaning for is an insatiable love for their region. Wow. Oh, that is profound. And that was how many years ago that you guys landed in in Bend? Yeah, that was 22 years ago. And the Lord said on May 5th, 5-5 of 2000, he said, I'm going uh, to redefine the face of Christianity and you will begin to uh, connect and launch five planets uh, in the globe. And I was like, five planets? What are you talking about? And... uh, as I sought the Lord, he said, uh, 7M, 
Seven Mountains. Uh, I didn't know it was Seven Mountains until 2008. He said, I will give you a Matthew 28, right? This is the Great Commission strategy for every sphere of society. And then you'll be a part of apostolic resource centers all over the planet. These are like embassies uh, that the Lord would, was setting up all over the planet. And then he said, you'll be a part of a renaissance, a creative arts renaissance, training centers, and a prayer furnace that will usher in the return of Jesus. And so mm. we just wanted to give ourselves to those five planets. I step out on the front door to go sign the corporate papers for our ministry that morning. And the newspaper is right on the floor mat. And the headline was this huge picture that said, today, five planets align in the heavenlies. And it showed literally five planets aligning in the heavenlies that you could see that night with the telescope. It said, tonight, you can only see it with the telescope, but the next time these five planets appear, you'll be able to see them with the naked eye. Mm. And I knew God was saying, it's, it's, it's far off. Yeah, I'm giving you a vision. And the next time the world will see it tangibly with the naked eye. Yeah. I mean, now people know why we have been collaborating with you guys because this is just your heartbeat and you know what it's so fun and interesting to hear it as your story but it's also incredible because i'm just hearing also like the heart of our father that yeah. he would that he would go out of his way to speak these things and plan these things for your life and for the ecclesia. And what does that mean for us as a generation that God would sideline you in this way and set you apart for what you just described? It's, it's huge. I mean, it's, it is huge, but um, keep going. Just, just tracking with you here. Yeah. So God said, write the how to you mm -hmm. just sort of, you know, like David, just slip into that cave of a dull season and you write the how-to, take notes on everything. And so we did. Becky and I, I remember connecting with friends, uh, apostolic and prophetic friends. The Lord just opened the doorways to us. And we were traveling all over the planet with these men and women of God and just taking us under their wing. We were so thankful for mothers and fathers um, who saw something in us at all. And so we just latched onto that. And I remember being in upstate New York at a prophetic roundtable with people that we all know. And the Lord said, it's time for you to go home. And mm -hmm. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, you're prone to revelate. And I don't want you just to revelate. It's time to learn to put apostolic feet to prophetic hope. And that's where it went from a prophetic emphasis in my life to an apostolic emphasis in my life. He in says, case, in case someone's not think, used to thinking in those terms, can you can you explain that a little bit more? The the prophetic versus the apostolic. Yeah. So the prophetic is known for opening the spirit realm. They keep us connected to the Lord. They see the future. They make sense of what has happened in the past and bring it all together. They bring spirit language to what God is doing, and they keep the portals to heaven open. They keep us seeing in the spirit realm, 
and they keep that revelatory realm alive for us. And I just love that. Um, they teach us how to hear God's voice. They teach us how he speaks, how they teach us how we hear God. Um, but the apostolic teaches us how to mobilize and how to strategize and why the apostolic is so good for the prophetic, because the apostolic will say, okay, now it's time to put strategy to the prophetic revelations that you have. They won't let us just pile up a bunch of revelation and not do anything with it. Those guys will put a fire under us and say, okay, what are you doing with what God's given you? And that's the marriage and why it's so important to have the apostolic and the prophetic. And that's why the church of Jesus was built on that. And why is the church of man uh, so man-centered? Well, because the church of man chose the pastor to lead. And why wouldn't they chose the, choose the pastor to lead? Because his primary function and focus is to focus on them to nurture them, to, so who wouldn't choose someone to lead them? Well, this guy's going to knock himself out for me. Right. Um, but the apostles and prophets won't let you do that. They want heaven to be our preoccupation. And if the pastors, evangelists, and teachers learn to function under an apostolic mindset, then it'll change the way they nurture. It'll change the way that they teach and evangelize and everything will be heaven on earth focused as opposed to man focused. And it's kind of like Moses going up uh, to the mountain as an apostolic uh, figure, having that encounter with the Lord. And then Aaron sort of staying down with the people and Pastor Aaron gets caught up with the needs of the people. And if he doesn't watch it, he'll get more people focused and turn this church into a country club where Moses is like, hey, we our target audience is not the people. As much as we love the people, our target audience is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if we get him here, then maybe he'll bring some of his friends. And that's our target audience. That's what we want. We love people. But when you get uh, relationships, even the community that we love as the primary preoccupation, and you talk about powerful people in any other atmosphere, that's not Jesus-centered first and heaven-focused, mm -hmm. then we release narcissism. It's true. Yeah. And God has shifted all of that. And so this uh, focus on uh, the apostolic uh, prophetic foundation of the church that Jesus is building, uh, we're getting back to that. And it's putting Jesus, it, it's literally releasing like three years ago, I, I started getting these words about a Jesus revolution, that Jesus was literally going to take center stage. I got two revelations uh, mm -hmm. That I needed to focus on. One was a Jesus revolution that Jesus was going to take center stage and be the preoccupation of his church and literally would divide the church of Jesus and the church of man. Mm. And then the second revelation was that deliverance was going to become one of the top three ministries in the body of Christ within the next three years. So I just started preparing for that, prophesying, for that, just asking the Lord to bring us practitioners that knew about this new era deliverance. I had no idea that the next two large Christian movies would be Jesus Revolution and come out in Jesus' name. 
And so that's a timely thing. That's happening right now, right now. So back to kind of your timeline, you were traveling, you and Becky were traveling and, and the Lord sent you kind of back to a, um, a local church focus and the Apostolic Resource Center that is now Eagle Mountain. What was that transition like for you as someone who had felt, you know, we've been launched? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was difficult. That was super difficult. And um, he said, it's time for you to go home. And um, you'll have no authority in the regions and nations of the world unless you have first pulled this off in your region. Mm-hmm. And so I had already learned to love our region. Mm-hmm. I, I, I adored our region. And he said, now it's time to go home and to get a proof of concept. And then I will throw you out and you'll have so much authority in nations and regions of the world because you first pulled it off in your own. And I said, well, gosh, by now I've got friends in the ministry and they're all traveling and writing books about stuff they've never done. And he said, not so with you, you go home and you pull it off in your own region and then you'll have more authority to take it to the nations. And so I did, uh, and just stopped traveling for 10 to 12 years and just begin, uh, to seek the Lord and just ask him for strategy. And that's where in that season, the 7M strategy came and you identified the top influencers in your region for all seven mountains. So I thought, okay, government, I thought school. And I just began to have meetings with those officials just say, Hey, how, how can I serve you? And I didn't go in trying to change or proselytize or, you know, uh, change their, their method. I just went, Hey, is there anything we can collaborate on? Is there anything you're doing that fits like kingdom purpose that I can collaborate on? And they did. They had projects. They had things that they needed that I could rally the church, the ecclesia in our region. And as an apostolic resource center, just resource them with no strings. And they just thought, you know what? There's got to be strings attached. Because, And I said, well, what's your view of the church up to this point? And they said two words, absent and irrelevant. And I just said, Lord, and the, and the Lord said to me, not on your watch. Mm-hmm. And so we begin to serve them and change the narrative of the church in our region and build a strategy. So much so to where those guys call us now when they are Uh, you know, like the sheriff's department, when they're about to do a drug raid or a sex trafficking raid, and they need some prophetic insight or prayer covering. um, Hey, uh, give has the Lord spoken anything to you about us? And we have been able to give them prophetic insight that has solved crimes. Um, But that didn't just happen um, overnight. We had to serve without any agenda. And like Joseph and Daniel, gain that credibility. That is so incredible. And how, when, when you guys made that shift, how did those who attend Eagle Mountain, how did they shift with you? Were they, were they ready for that? Yeah, I I would say that because it was a, it was the big test. It was like the big unknown. It was a blank canvas. And we were just like, Lord, we're going to prophesy from the beginning because we didn't grow up in a church experience that was like anything else. Um, I didn't know anything. I didn't grow up in church. Um, even though I had a praying mom and a praying grandma, I had done my own thing. And um, 
And so when uh, we were serving uh, as the janitor in that in the first church, the Lord began to speak to me about these things straight away and just just sort of change the narrative in me. And so at first, the church was um, they had questions. the 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 officials had questions. We've never had the church approach us like this. What what what's your agenda? And so that took time. And literally, it has taken a decade and a half to just walk that off and prove that and go through times where you have to um, be patient. You have to prophesy things that are not as though they are. And the Lord will test that vision and say, what's, what's, what's in it for you? Are you willing to stay here? Are you willing to give your life? You know, I've wept over, like Jesus wept over Jerusalem. You literally have to do that over your region and the nations of the world. And then it began to expand over time. And suddenly I would just have a heart for other cities and nations that I'd never been to. But somehow, because I had unlocked that in my region, instantly I could have his heart for other regions like that. So we did. We just... Um, began to do projects with the city. We began to create, um, for instance, uh, our sheriff. They, I asked them, God was doing something about the breath of God in our spirit, in our region. And I knew he was talking to me prophetically. So I called the sheriff. Now I had had a relationship with him and, and one of his deputies. And I said, what do you guys need? And they got back to me and they said, you know, we need respirators. And I knew God was already talking to me about the breath and all of that. And so I said, done. What? And he goes, yeah, our guys go into toxic environments and we just need brand new respirators. And we want the expensive ones that have the interchangeable cartridges. So I had enough business background to go get the local um medical supply center involved and they got them for me at cost. And the Lord said, Hey, you could do this and get a great name at Eagle mountain, but I want you to get other churches involved so that they can all sort of nail it together. And so we did, and we raised money and we got, uh, all these respirators for all of these deputies and they started sending us pictures and of them just protected and thank you, Eagle mountain and changing the narrative of the church and no longer are we absent or irrelevant now. Right. And, and then it went to the school district and they were like, you know, we had an issue for a while of little kiddos taking their lives down to eight years old in our school systems. And we said, we, how can we help? And they said, we want, if you will, uh, I had some real estate background And they said, can you get a team that would build sensory rooms for us so these little kids can go in and learn to come alive and learn to offload the heavy home environments that they were facing? And COVID had just started and we were just like, you know what? We can tell the pandemic is not going to stop us. We can tell that this is an opportunity. So we did. We built those sensory rooms and we said, all we need is data showing from you that there are less kiddos harming themselves and we want tangible results for what we're doing apostolic feet to prophetic hope mm-hmm. and so we built those sensory that sensory room and they they were so elated and we said well what do you think it was gorgeous it was beautiful we went to the nines and they said well we've got 42 other uh, middle schools in the in the district do you mind doing it for all of them and so i was like well uh, I don't know about that, but, uh, and then 
It's just that credibility through serving. God will open up strategies if you identify the top, the mobilizers within your region and simply just serve them. Yeah. Okay. So for those who attend Eagle Mountain regularly, it's their home fellowship, it's their local church, and yet it's an apostolic resource center. What, yep. what would feel different to the average person that attends than maybe some other church that they would attend? What makes it an apostolic resource center for the, for the, the people that live there and attend there? Yeah. So the word resource is the active word. Number one, um, we lift up the name of Jesus. And one of the ways that we do that is by putting apostolic feet to prophetic hope. And so what does it look like outside the four walls? And if you're a part of our uh, fellowship, you, you're feeding the hungry in the community, you're uh, a part of the things that we do outside the four walls within our community, you have a grid. If you're an intercessor, you're going to pray and establish and legislate the atmosphere within our region, mm-hmm. uh, nations of the world. You're going to have a list of the uh, ministries that we're collaborating with so that you can go after it. You're making decrees. Um, you're on a team. You understand that when you come in here, that there are relationships because we're a tribe of powerful people, but those relationships have intention. Mm-hmm. We're not going to let you just sit and do nothing. You can come in and depending on your 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 season, uh, you may be, have been wounded from past experience. You right. may uh, be just like burnt. You may just need to sit at the feet of Jesus and we're just going to champion that. But at some point, we're going to begin to say there's a God destiny in you that we see that we want to champion and begin to mobilize. And doesn't matter if you're two years old or a hundred years old. That's the atmosphere because you carry something that needs to be released, whether that's wisdom, whether that's teaching the young, whether it's prophesying, um, that's, there's just something of a mobilization in you. So we're not just interested in um, just having relationships and calling it community. We want people mobilized and we believe that that's the church of Jesus. Also, whose success is on your mind? There's nothing that God has anointed us to do that um, he said, you have to go serve and continue to serve in someone else's field. Like literally, if you leave your field, I know your head down, but if you leave your field to go serve in someone else's field, I'll send angels to serve in your field while you're gone serving in someone else's field. Mm -hmm. And so we look for opportunities. There's been several mothers and fathers throughout the decade that have blessed mine and Becky's life that we've been fortunate enough to um, become friends with. And the Lord said, now you will honor them. So on our kingdom learning platform, we do shows for all of them. We're getting their messages out. We're teaching, we're training, we're using their materials. We're making sure that we honor them as fathers. Listen, David was had this encounter. God, I want to build a tabernacle with no veil. I want to do something that's never happened on the planet. I want the common man to be able to experience a glory that goes beyond just the high priest being able to experience beyond the veil. I want no veil and I want the common man to experience your tangible presence. And God never told David to do that. That was David's idea. God only said to David, David, 
You can do this. The only thing I want you to do is to go back to Gibeah and first sacrifice at Moses's tabernacle. And the Lord showed me that is because you can't bring in the new without honoring the old. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we do. That's what we do. We have a generational, multi-generational sense of we're drinking from a well that we did not dig. And it is our responsibility to continue that on. And so that's what an apostolic mindset looks like. It looks like powerful people running together. I once had an encounter with Jesus and his brother, James. And I watched Jesus in this encounter telling James, his brother, what uh, God had just, the father had just spoken to him through the night, through dreams and uh, encounters. And I could see that James was getting insecure when Jesus was not holding back and telling him of the great encounters. And Jesus could tell that James was getting insecure, but he did not stop. He did not dumb down who he was for an insecure James. He just kept on telling his story. And I knew in the revelation that Jesus knew that James was what he was thinking. And I could hear James's uh, thoughts. And James thought to himself, he always gets these revelations. And I don't. And then suddenly Jesus finished and he said, now, James, I know you hear the father differently than me. And he started pulling out of James, James's own revelations and the ways that God had spoken to him. And he made space for James, even though he could have taken up all the space in the room. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I was sucked out of that moment. And the Lord says, this is how it should be in my house where powerful people happen unapologetically like Jesus, but they also have learned how to make space for those around them and not take up all the space in the room. So we begin to go after emotional health mm -hmm. and how to help people happen unapologetically while making space for insecure people who need to knock it out of the park so they can feel what it's like and get a muscle memory of what it's like to happen. Oh, that is so powerful. Wow. Well, I want to honor your time. And there's so many more questions that, that we could ask. We'll have to have you another time. And as you know, uh, Johnny and I have been scheming with you and Becky ways that we can partner moving forward and in, in a lot of the things that you've mentioned. And so hopefully people will be hearing more on this in the future, but um, can you finish up by giving us um, those that are listening that want to learn more about what you guys offer and how you're doing things and, and the kingdom learning Institute, all of that. And, and also close us in prayer and pray for those that are mm -hmm. a part of transitioning the local church to truly being the ecclesia that those apostolic resource centers that that God himself has initiated for our generation. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. I know that God is raising up leaders right now and maybe like me you've been in obscurity, you have been sort of on the backside of the desert and the Lord's been teaching you your proof of concept or your how to process and you're creating a model that people don't understand, you stick with it. That is my encouragement to you. So you reach for an atmosphere of signs and wonders and you walk in a anything as possible. You just model it. Mm -hmm. And if you're the only one in the room or in the region that has faith, that's all it takes. 
That's mm-hmm. all it takes. You've got enough faith and we've got enough faith for everyone. And so if nobody else has that faith, instead of pointing the finger at them, you say, that's okay. I've got enough faith for both of us. Yeah. And you just go after it and create a strategy for your region. Yeah. Um, let it be tangible. Let it be something that's reproducible and then gain credibility by serving. Make sure that you're lifting up the name of Jesus, that Jesus has preoccupation in every part of your life, your ministry. If you're leading a church or a ministry, make sure that Jesus is the cornerstone. Make sure he's your target audience and make sure you're not a part of that church of the Pharisees, that you've come out of that and that you're serving a church where Jesus is the main reason. Yes, relationships are huge and it takes that those relationships um, the Enlos and Becky and myself have that relationship, but it is because Jesus is the cornerstone and that's all that we do. So one of the ways that you can stay connected to us is through eaglemountain.global. That's our website. Come and be a part of one of the um, events that we have. We host all kinds of ministries like Restore 7 and the Enlos. We host a lot of uh, ministries. Just go to our website, eaglemountain.global. And come to Central Oregon. Central Oregon, it's the place of the heart. That's the Central Oregon. And you just receive an impartation of the Father's heart when you come here. Um, A learning culture for an apostolic resource center, we had a dream of creating a learning culture where we would take all the friends, the practitioners, the high-level thought leaders that we're a part of that would could come together and speak on various subjects like Lance Wallnow on 7M, Johnny and Elizabeth from 7M, the apostolic, the revelation, the transition. We have musicians. We have literally government officials on there from every sphere of society. We have high-level thought leaders that are speaking to you, microcourses, giving you strategy all under this uh, mindset of putting apostolic feet to prophetic hope. Uh, you can find me on my personal uh, Facebook page, Bobby Hobby, H-A-A-B-Y, or Bobby and Becky Hobby um, is our ministry page, H-A-A-B-Y, on Facebook as well. And we just love to connect. But I love serving um, Johnny and Elizabeth. So, Elizabeth, thanks for having me. And if there are any um, senior leaders of churches and you're like, this so resonates with me and I I just just need somebody to walk alongside of me. You know, um, we're starting to compile a, a list of churches and senior leaders that are interested in that so that, you know, in the near future, when we pull the trigger and are a little bit more intentional with how we can serve you, um, we'll, we'll follow up with you. So you could also, um, you could either reach out to Bobby or you could reach out to our contact at restore7.org and we will we will track your names and follow up with you in time as we have um, some more specific resources for you. But I would highly recommend that um, you go check out Kingdom Learning and you check out um, the Eagle Mountain Global, eaglemountain.global. And yes. can they watch your Sunday service? Is that something that's still on there? They can. Every Sunday you can catch us uh, at eaglemountain.global and then all of our resources again are at kingdomlearning.life. And you can connect through uh, that by just going straight to eaglemountain.global. That way you have access to everything we do and all of our resources. So good. Would you pray? Yeah. Father, thank you. It is our honor. We say like the prayer of Jesus in Matthew 6, 
Father who art in heaven, holy. Father, heaven, holy. That's the preoccupation of your ecclesia right now. Father, heaven, holy. We give you praise and we give our lives for the Zoe life that is in your spirit right now. We receive an impartation of life from you to be mobilized in all that you've called us to do. Lord, I bless everyone who's watching right now with a new vigor and vitality for the DNA that you have placed within them. Spirit of resurrection, let's go. We just release an apostolic call to the nations from Johnny and Elizabeth, Becky and myself. We just call forth the ecclesia that has been on the backside of the desert for decades. We say now it is time and yeah. we speak life to this emerging army of God who has learned to be laid down lovers for the man Christ Jesus, yeah. for the fame of Jesus. Amen. Yes. Amen. Incredible. Well, clearly God is echoing a new narrative on the mountain of religion and specifically his church that we know in time will be the mountain that supersedes over all else and nations right. will come running. So yes. hearing you, Bobby, just continues to speak life and hope to our hearts about um, not just the restoration of the other areas of culture, but also the restoration of his his beautiful church. So thank you for your love, for your your service all of these years, your obedience to the Lord. And we're excited about where this is taking us. So thank you again for your time. And we will see you all next time on Someone You Should Know. Thanks for having me.